Good morning. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Savannah. I don't know if anybody else said good morning, but uh, yeah. All right. Why don't we go ahead and open up our service today? I invite you to stand with me if you would. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have here that we get to worship you with, that we get to uh, sing with and fellowship with. Lord, what a blessing it is. And I thank you for it. Uh, I I thank you for um, the privilege of prayer as today we're going to be talking about prayer. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to to learn to, to pray to you the way that you would have us do. Um, Lord, we, we thank you for that privilege. We thank you for this time that we get to uh, worship you. And uh, we ask that you would bless our service today. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's get singing. Let's start out. Uh, page 91 in your hymnals are up on the screen. Oh, there we go. Uh, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus. I want you to turn around and look around at everybody and say, hey, good to see you. And you may be seated. Uh, a few quick announcements here. Uh, today we have a carry-in dinner. Uh, don't, uh, you, say, you say, I forgot about it. That's okay. Come anyway. Eat. Fellowship. It's always a good time. Uh, we always have enough, well, we always have enough desserts. 
Well, we have enough of regular food, too. Uh, but I hope you'll stick around for that. Um, uh, October 18th, quarterly business meeting at 7. And then October 28th, our fall festival, we changed it because when we picked the date, we didn't know it was going to be Fort Cherry's homecoming, and a lot of people do that and go to that. So uh, instead, we decided to move that. So now it's October 28th, and it's going to be at Katie Runbaugh's house. That's uh, I didn't put the address in there, and... Uh, um, that's on Cherry Valley Road, 234 Cherry Valley Road. And uh, um, that's going to start at 5. 5 o'clock's not in the bulletin either, but that's going to be there as well. Uh, November 5th, no Carrion Fellowship dinner because the next Sunday, uh, November 12th, is Veterans Day and Thanksgiving Fellowship dinner. Uh, we usually have turkey and all the fixings and everything. And uh, we were going to celebrate Greg's birthday, but he said he's not going to be there. So, sorry, Greg. I mean, we, we were going all out for it, too. So, so, for, yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, and then also November 22nd, uh, Thanksgiving service at 7. Uh, let's, uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead and uh, sing the next song. Uh, page th- 35, this is one we haven't sung in quite a while. Uh, Near to the Heart of God. Let's sing this, and we'll also take up our offering during this song. Would you ask God to bless the offering, sir?
Amen. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, the last song we're going to sing is in your bulletin or up on the screen. We're going to sing uh, Same God. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for
same God today, yesterday, today, and forever. All right, Junior Church, you are dismissed. Rest y'all, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33. I'm glad that you are with us today. I'm, uh, we're, we're starting a new series today uh, on prayer that I am calling uh, Beyond Prayer. And kind of a subtitle that goes along with that, a biblical perspective on the power of prayer. Uh, it, it's based off of a book that I read that I had picked up at a pastor's conference this last spring in California. And the book is titled, It Happens After Prayer. And uh, it's by, by a guy by the name of H.B. Charles Jr. And I uh, found a lot of incredible things uh, based on God's Word that I want to share with you today. And so we're going to start by looking at today's scripture that I mentioned, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse number 3. Uh, some people refer this to uh, God's telephone number, J-E-R-E-333. Uh, why? Because look at what it says here. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you. Isn't that awesome? That when we call to the Lord, that He is going to answer us. He goes on and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God commands us, may I even say begs us, to pray to Him. And He answers us. He will answer us. So, um, I got some good news and I got some bad news for you all. Uh, which do you want first? Okay, yeah. Most people say, I want the bad. Why? I always find that weird. Why do you want to hear bad? First off, I don't want to hear bad news, but sometimes it has to happen, right? Uh, but we, 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 uh, we say, well, I want the bad news first so I can be uplifted by the good news afterwards. Okay, uh, so that's what's going to happen. All right, bad news first. Life happens. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Life happens. Life isn't perfect. Our faith in God isn't perfect. It weakens sometimes. Temptations are going to come. The devil seeks to oppress Christians from following the Lord. The needs of this world and the people around us overwhelm us at times. Sickness comes to each and every one of us or our homes. Our finances are never enough. We fear loss of relationships. We are around people all the time, but it seems like loneliness just continues to grow and grow within us and bring us down. Friends let us down. All of us face difficulties in this life. Trouble will come. You are not in control at all. We don't know when pain will show up, but guess what? It's coming. 
There's nothing you can do to stop it. That's the bad news. Really kind of depressing. Aren't you glad you came to church today? It's depressing when you look at it and you think about it. But that's the truth of the matter. And, 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 you know, but you know what? Praise the Lord, I got some good news. Okay? Here's the good news. Though you may not be able to control what happens in your life, you can't control how you can respond to all of those things. And this is a wonderful benefit of being a child of God. To, to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior does not bring an end to all of our troubles, no matter what some preachers may, out there may try to teach. It's really quite the opposite because following Christ is going to produce trials in your life that you never normally would have faced any, any other way. I mean, Jesus said it, John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. To live a life that is pleasing to God, well, let's just, to be a Christian is a battleground. There's no question about it. It's a battleground. It's not a playground. And, and if we're children of God, here's the amazing, wonderful good news. You never have to do it alone. You never have to stand alone. You never have to fight Alone, We can live with the assurance that God is there with us. Now, please understand me. There is nothing you can do to stop bad things from happening in your life, but you can determine your response to those bad things. What can we do? Well, let's think about what does Scripture tell us to do? You can turn the other cheek. You can go the second mile. You can love those who hate you. You can bless those that persecute you. You can forgive those who offend you seven times in one day. You can overcome evil with good. You can be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. You can give thanks in every single type of circumstances you ever find yourself in. And you can count it all joy when you meet all kinds of various trials in your life. As one author defines what a Christian is, he states, A Christian isn't necessarily any nicer than anybody else. He's just better informed. Being a Christian doesn't make us superior to unbelievers, though for many years in the Christian churches, dare I say even Baptist churches, well, probably more so than, but there was this judgmentality, judgment mentality, uh, where we were better than anybody else. We were better than everybody else. Guess what? You're not better than anyone. No one. You are not better than anyone else. And so being a Christian does not make you superior to those that are not Christians, but it does give us options that they don't have or even know that's available to them. As a result, we do not have to respond to our problems as though we have no hope. Like those without God, we can choose to be happy. We can choose to trust. We can choose to love. We can choose to forgive and to hope again. Some people have been described as being thermometers. Okay, what's a thermometer? Well, y'all know what a thermometer is, don't you? Uh, if not, go back to science class. Better yet, just Google it. It's, you'll, you'll get the answer pretty quick, right? A th what does a th thermometer do? It tells you what the surrounding temperature is. Okay, that's what a thermometer does. Uh, um, now, what am I talking about? People, it's people who only indicate the condition of their surroundings. Okay, that's what a thermometer person is. But then there's other people that are thermostats. 
what's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? Oh, they, it's also based on the surrounding conditions, but a thermostat does something else. It controls something, doesn't it? A thermostat, uh, uh, they, don't, they don't just indicate, nor do they register their surroundings. Instead, they regulate or control the conditions that they find themselves in. Their circumstances do not dictate how they think, how they feel, or how they act. They, are, they have a spiritual climate control that helps them uh, to be strong and steadfast, whatever the situation may be. And this is why Paul was able to write to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, he says, I, I know how to be abased. I know how to, to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he goes on to this verse that so many times we take out of context. Then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, how do we respond to the challenges of this world? Are we thermostats or are we thermometers? Uh, flip over to 1 John chapter 2. I've got several different passages we're going to be going to today. 1 John chapter 2. So how do we respond to those challenges of this world? Like I said, are we thermostats or thermometers? Uh, what do we do when life crashes around us? What do we do to manage the overwhelming circumstances of life? Do we do it in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own resources? It's like a, a young man who had just earned his license as a plumber. He went to see Niagara Falls and he looked at it for a few minutes, appearing to contemplate the beauty of it. But really, he goes, man, that is a big leak. I think I can fix that. <laughs> no, you can't fix that, okay? Um, uh, he, can't, he couldn't fix that, and neither can we do it all in our own strength. The way some people try to cope with their pain and problems is just to fill their lives with things, with, with work, with money, with toys, alcohol, drugs, entertainment, pleasure, and a myriad of other things, the empty promises of this world, because that won't work. Hopefully you're there. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse number 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. There is only one reliable option for responding to things that, would, that you would change if you could. But you've tried and you can't change them. It, it was Moses' response when the weight of leading the Israelites became too great for him to bear. It was King Jehoshaphat's reaction when he was unsure how to handle a group of uh, uh, nations that were planning to attack God's people. It was Nehemiah's approach upon learning about the dilapidated walls in Jerusalem. It was David's action as he sought refuge in a cage uh, to evade Saul who was trying to kill him. It was David's behavior at an open window despite knowing it would lead to being thrown into the lion's den. It was the actions of the church at Mary's house on the eve of uh, Peter's impending execution. It was what Paul and Silas did while incarcerated and falsely charged in the dark of night. It was what Jesus himself did on, in the garden of Gethsemane as he grappled with the impending crucifixion. What did all those things have in common? 
They prayed. They prayed. We are supposed to pray about things. Now, I've heard this question so many times. Why? Why should we pray? Doesn't God know everything? Does God know everything? Yeah. We're not giving him some, you know, uh, exclusive uh, information that he didn't know about. Okay. When we pray to God, uh, I mean, God does, uh, uh, he knows it all. I mean, we'll, and, and a lot of times we ask these questions in our mind. Will, will God even listen? Does God even care whether we pray or not? Does prayer even matter? What can we realistically expect when God, uh, from God when we pray? I mean, there's so many good and important reasons why you ought to. You ought to study scripture to find out what it teaches about why you should pray. But this series is not about explaining the whys or the hows of prayer. And I want to challenge you to respond to these challenges of life with prayer. To pray without ceasing. To, to pray with great expectations. And so today I'm just going to give you two essential reasons why you ought to pray. Why you should. The first one... This one seems obvious, but let's be honest. God commands that we pray. There's multiple passages in Scripture where He commands us to pray. Um, <clears throat> this should be the only reason, really, that we need to concern with ourselves about the reason we ought to pray. As believers, our main concern in determining how we should view a subject is to answer this question. Well, what does the Word of God have to say about it? And I'm sure that we're like this, uh, uh, that, that we have a long way to go to submit to God in every area of our lives. But most of the time, our attitude must be therefore uh, must our attitude must be there before our actions are there. Uh, there was a bumper sticker that said if God wills it, I will. If if it's God's will, I will. Um, I, I mean that's good because God deserves and demands our total allegiance to Him, our total loyalty to Him, with, with my unconditional surrender operating under complete obedience. This is why we need prayer. Even though the flesh constantly struggles against it, prayer is obeying God. Even if there were no practical benefits to prayer, which there are a lot, we should be devoted to prayer simply because the Word of God commands it. Scripture does not say that prayer is an optional response to life's challenges. It says, when these things happen, pray. Do it. Prayer is a divine mandate. I'm going to give you some verses here. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Again, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Paul states in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Uh, James says in chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, that if anyone is suffering, let him pray. God, over and over and over again, tells us, pray. It is a divine mandate. It is a commandment from God. This is what you need to do. But also, other than just being a divine mandate, I think it's also our Christian duty. It is how we can show our submission to God, our dependence on God. And so prayer is quite possibly the most objective measurement of our dependence on God. How much do you pray for? Or how much do you think 
I can do that. I don't need to bother God with that. I can handle this. Flip over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4. All right, think of it this way. The things that you pray about are the things that you trust God to handle. The things that you uh, pray about are the things that you trust God to handle. The things that you neglect to pray about are the things that you don't think God can handle or you think that you can handle them all by yourself. Can you see why God commands us to pray? Prayer reflects our confidence in our Heavenly Father to care for our needs. God loves it when His children bring their needs uh, uh, to Him and He wants to hear them. He wants to hear... He wants us to pray to Him. He loves it when His children bring their needs. It brings Him glory. It also grieves Him when we take our problems to anybody else. Before we... Well, instead of going to God... Believing prayer is our holy duty to God. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. What does it mean to continue earnestly in prayer? It means to be devoted, to be fervent, to be persistent in prayer. Let me make it simple for you, okay? Don't stop not believing, okay, that's a good one, okay, but that's a good song, but don't stop praying. That's what it means. Don't stop praying. Be constant in your prayer life. Do whatever it takes to maintain your prayer life. Keep your heart in an attitude of prayer before God. Pray for the will of God by praying according to the Word of God. Set a time every day for prayer and Scripture. Establish a, a, a prayer list all for yourself. Develop friendships with other believers with whom you can pray with. Y'all heard of a guy by the name of Billy Graham? Okay. Billy Graham had, had a wife. Did you know that? Yeah, he had a wife. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth had this to say about prayer. She says, pray when you don't feel like it, for it is a sin to neglect such an opportunity. I said that wrong. Let me try again. Pray when you feel like it, for it is a sin to neglect such an opportunity. Pray when you don't feel like it, for it is dangerous to remain in such a condition. We need to ask the Lord to help us continue earnestly in prayer. Doesn't that seem kind of weird to ask? We're praying to God to ask Him to help us pray more. But that's exactly what He wants us to do, to rely on Him. After obedience to God, there is another essential reason why we ought to be devoted in prayer. And that is because prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege. Here's the awesome thing. Only uh, a good, wise, sovereign God like ours would make prayer a duty, a command for us, but also a privilege at the same time. That's awesome. Now, prayer is, is a privilege It's not supposed to be some burdensome duty. Even though Scripture commands us to pray, we should not view it as something that we have to do, but something that we get to do. It's a privilege to have an audience before the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. I I heard it illustrated this way. Um, 
that uh, it, it's like God is a CEO of a huge company and child walks into the uh, meeting room and there's this meeting going on and the CEO of the company just stops everything and says, what can I help you with? Not, get away from me, kid, you bother me. But what can I do for you? When we pray to God, God takes the time from whatever he's doing, which I don't know, he's God, he can do whatever he wants, but he listens to us. We go into the very throne room of God when we get to pray to him. The blood of Jesus Christ has given us that access to the throne of God. Every person that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is granted that open door before the Lord. We can approach God in prayer. And when we do, we can do it with confidence. For it's there that we obtain the grace and the mercy that we need. Yet the privilege of prayer is greater still than just that. Not only does God command us to bring our needs to him, but he also promises to hear us and to answer our prayers. Many people simply ask, well, why should I ask? Well, I'm sorry, why should I pray? And the simple answer is prayer works. More accurately, God works when we pray. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the arm of the omnipotence. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get to thinking that you control God. That's not what's happening here. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul makes an incredible request on the behalf of Christians there. In verse number 19, he asked that they would be able to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Huh? How, how, how can you know something that is beyond knowledge? Well, Paul's extraordinary prayer request begins to make sense when you read the next verse. And it says, Now to him who is able to, ex- to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. This truth applies to every prayer that we pray. God is more than able to answer our prayers. What a promise that is. Whatever you're thinking about or asking for, God is able to do far greater than you can even comprehend. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're not to view prayer as some cosmic Pepsi machine. I say Pepsi because I like Pepsi better than Coke. But, um, you know, he's not like that. He's going to give you everything that you ask for as long as you put in the right coins or the right payment. You cannot get whatever you want just because you ask God for it. How many people uh, do you think ask God to give them the winning numbers to the um, money ball, power ball, whatever that thing is called? $960 million. I mean, you could do a lot of good stuff with that. You could do a lot of dumb stuff with that too, but that's beside the point. Um, I mean, you know, God, if you give me this money, I mean, I could do so much for this church, you know. I could build a new church. I could, I could install theater seating with cup holders, recline. No, y'all be falling asleep on me. Um, you know, even better yet, we could install air conditioning. You could even fund many different missionaries around the world. Your intentions may be good, but that doesn't mean that God is going to give you those numbers. God doesn't always give us what we want. Also, prayer doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a good life full of health, wealth, success, and happiness. 
That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is just simply, well, it just doesn't work that way. You see, because God, when He answers our prayers, He answers our prayers according to His will. Now, there was a movie many, many years ago called Bruce Almighty. And the premise of that movie was that uh, Bruce thought that he could be a better God than God was. And so God says, fine, you got a week. Do what you want. And so um, the prayers start coming in, and it comes in on his Yahweh email account, which I found hilarious, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but so he starts going through, and he's like, oh, this, is, this person's asking for this, this person's asking for this. And, he, and as he goes through like 10 of them and he answers them, then there's like, 5,000 more, and he just says, reply all, yes. And he answers them all with a yes. There was such problems the next day because like uh, over 1,000 people won the lottery and just a bunch of stuff going on. God doesn't always give us yes because the yes is not always best for us. Think about that. The yes is not always what we need. God answers his prayer, our prayers, according to his will. Now, do you believe that God is sovereign? Y'all with me on that? God is sovereign. What does that mean? That he controls everything in the universe. That's considered the exhaustive sovereignty of God, meaning that God is God. Okay? This means that God is under no obligation to do whatever we ask of him. He doesn't have to do it just because we ask him to do it. It doesn't matter how long you pray. It doesn't matter how loud you cry out to Him. It doesn't matter how many verses or you quote or promises that you claim. It doesn't matter how many times you pray about it. As you pray, you must remember that God answers our prayers based on His will. I, meant, I, I don't know if I told you. Go to, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Flip over there. We're, Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read this verse to you, but I want you to follow along in your Bibles. God answers our prayers based on His will. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 11. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all... Now, this is what I want you to focus on. On him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. The author of the book that, that uh, I, I'm taking a lot of this stuff from, H.B. Charles, he, he tells the story of he was invited to preach at a week-long youth revival. And at that time, his dad was very sick. His dad was admitted into the hospital. And the, the revival was all week long. And his dad was most likely going to spend that entire week in the hospital. And so uh, he, he was nervous about even going, leaving his dad, because his dad just wasn't doing great. And, uh, but he went and he did the, uh, the revival. He preached that. And then as he's flying home and, his brother, and he lands and his brother comes to, to pick him up from the airport, his dad died. He doesn't know, this is before cell phones, he doesn't know about it, uh, uh, the, the, the brother doesn't know what's going on, and uh, they're, they're just trying to get to the hospital to see dad. And so they went to the hospital not knowing what was going on, 
And when they got there, the nurse says, hey, someone will be with you here in just a moment. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, I'm not sure how, um, but they left the hospital and went home. We need to get home. So they went home without finding out what that person was going to say to them. And so they get home, and for the entire ride home from the hospital to the house, this guy, this pastor, he preached, I'm sorry, he prayed like he had never prayed before. And it was a very simple prayer. Very simple request. Nothing too extravagant, nothing too hard. He simply asked God, please let me say goodbye to my father before he's taken from me. God's answer for him was no. Now, does that seem harsh? Does that seem mean? Well, we can look at it and say, yeah. Have you all ever prayed anything like that? You, something's been going on in your life. Maybe something going on right now in your life. Uh, something, with, uh, something with you or something with someone you love. It wasn't an excessive. It wasn't over the top. But something that God could do. I've had those prayers. Pray like I've never prayed before. And yet many times the answer is no. Flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning there, let me tell you what this author wrote after he told this story. He said, I write the next sentence without any hesitation, reservation, or qualification. God answers prayer. Today I'm several decades removed from my father's death, and in the intervening years God has done far for me more than I could ask or think. And as I look at that experience in the rearview mirror of life, I thank God that he did not give me what I desperately requested that day. Before that experience, I believe prayer changes things. After that experience, I learned that prayer changes me. My life and relationship with the Lord were never the same since the day the Lord told me no. He says, I am convinced that Prayer works, even when it does not work the way you want it to work. This is what the Apostle Paul learned when he was given a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what this thorn was, but it hurt him and it responded with prayer. He asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn in the flesh, and the Lord refused to do so. He didn't give Paul what he asked for, but he gave him something better. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse number 9. And he, that's God, he said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And this is what transformed Paul's perspective. He said, once he learned that, because he continues on, says, therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This can be your experience too. The title of his book was It Happens After Prayer. And folks, it's truth. It happens after prayer. What happens? Well, what, what happens after prayer? It. Well, what's it? It is that fill in the blank that, that you can complete with, with any issue in your life. Whatever that special thing is that you need from the Lord to do, well, you need the Lord to do in your life, it happens after prayer. 
Do you need faith to see beyond your circumstances? Do you need divine intervention for a difficult situation? Do you need relief from pain, grief, or sorrow? Do you need strength to resist a temptation? Do you need victory over some secret sin that is in your life? Do you need wisdom for a tough decision you have to make? Do you need a a, a door of opportunity open for you? Do you need healing or restoration of health? Do you need reconciliation in some broken relationship? Do you need grace to be faithful in a hard assignment? Do you need assurance that God is on your side? Each and every single one of those and whatever you put as that it happens after prayer. There are a lot of things that you can do to try to fix your situation after you pray. But there's nothing you can do to fix the situation until you pray. Let me tell you, whatever it is you need God to do in your life, it happens after prayer. Now, as I said before, just because you put your it in there, you put that in the fill in the blank, doesn't mean that God's going to do exactly what you want because sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a yes, and we praise the Lord for those yeses. Sometimes it's a not right now. Y'all know that uh, I prayed a lot for my dad when my dad had leukemia. Had a lot of conversations with the Lord, which I'll be honest, I wasn't in a good place arguing with the Lord, saying, my dad's good. What are you doing? What are you doing to him? There's other people that are nasty, horrible. Give that leukemia to them. He doesn't deserve this. He's already been through so much already. I prayed for healing. And you know what? God healed him. Not the way I wanted him. God took him home. I can tell you right now, he does not have to worry about leukemia at all. It's not always the way we want it to be answered, but it's always the way that he wants us that he needs in our lives. We don't like it. But you know, God has used so many times that loss in my life that I've been able to minister to other people. Uh, I'll tell you right now, and this is me being selfish, I would much rather have my dad back than ministering to anybody else. I would do that in a heartbeat. But that's not what God said I needed. Let me close with this story. Father and a son were riding their bicycles together one day, and as they rode down the trail, Father saw a large branch in the road on the path ahead. And instead of riding around it, he decides to use it as an opportunity to teach his son in a very important lesson. And so they pulled over, and the father said, Boy, I want you to move that branch out of the way. And so the boy gets over to that branch. The branch was huge. And he pushed and he pulled and he did everything within his power. He said, I can't move it, Dad. 
I can't do it. It just exhausted. And, and the dad says, yes, you can, son. You can do it. Be sure to use all your strength, son. I know you can do it. And the boy tried harder and harder, breaking out in sweat, giving himself blisters, trying to move that sucker. But he couldn't move the branch. And near to tears, he said, Dad, I can't do it. The dad said, did you use all your strength? He said, yeah, I can't do it. I, I don't, I'm not strong enough. The father said, no, you didn't do it. You didn't do everything you could. And the boy looked at him, exasperated, like, did you not just see me? And the dad says, you didn't ask me to help you. What is the obstacle in your life right now? What is it that's in your life that you have tried and you have tried and you have struggled with without success? Have you used all your strength? No, probably not. If you've not asked God to help you and prayed about it sincerely, diligently, and persistently. Because folks, it happens after prayer. It happens after prayer. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you from the challenge from your word. Lord, I pray as I struggle with prayer in my own life, I pray that you would help me and that all of us, that we would become men and women of prayer that we would bring our needs to you and trust that you are going to do what you see fit. And as the author said in his book, that prayer, yes, it can change things, but more often than not, it changes us. Help us to understand that, Lord. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to pray. And Lord, help us to understand that prayer is not all about asking for stuff, which so much of our prayer life is about asking for this, for that, and for those people. It's so much more than that. I pray that you would give each and every one of us a desire to study prayer and what it's all about and how we can do it and how we should do it. It's given in your word. Thank you for that, Lord. But Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to understand that we have a privilege of prayer. That you have blessed us tremendously in that fact and that you will always be there for us. You are... We're never going to get a busy signal. We're never going to get a, a no cell service. We're always going to be able to talk to you. And Lord, I thank you for that. I pray your will to be done today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. I don't know what God may have been speaking to, about, to you about, but whatever it is, I encourage you to respond to the Lord. We're going to sing page 397, I will serve thee. Whatever your need is, I invite you to come and pray about it.
you all for being here today. Um, I pray that, uh, that God's word will continue to work in your hearts. Um, also, I encourage you to stick around and fellowship with us. Um, always enough food. Stick around, please. Um, let's go ahead and close uh, in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Hugh if you would do that, sir. Thank you.